Get your Bibles out this morning. The book of James, chapter 4, verse 7. Uh, and this, I just got to say this. This light over here is freaking me out because I keep thinking I'm losing my mind, but now I realize there's a light bulb out. Now I've just called it attention to the whole church, but now I know. Amen. I was like, I thought I was losing my mind all of a sudden. I got to say something while you're turning your Bibles to the book of James, chapter 4. I want to apologize to you as pastor. Last week, I lost my mind in my preaching. I said some things from this pulpit that were really crazy. I went to go say limitations, and I said, sometimes you got to limitate. Did y'all hear what I said? I said it. I was like, did that really slip out of my mouth? I tried to cover it up. Then Pastor Robert came to me and said, you know what you said in church? Thank you for not letting me get away with it. I appreciate it. But then I said something like, you got to celebrate what you do got. Sometimes the Spirit of God will overtake you so heavily you start making up vocabulary words. So I'm thinking about making a shirt that says, don't limitate God. And on the back it says, celebrate what you do got. If you would like one, you can order. I'm just kidding. <laughs> With all that being said, y'all ready to get in the word this morning? Book of James chapter 4. I got a really easy word for you this morning. Next week, I'm starting a series called Who Are You? But until we get there, I'm going to deal with this one this morning. The book of James chapter 4, verse 7, it simply says this. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee for you. Anybody get anything out of that scripture yet? You ready for me to say amen and send you home? We can have the altar call right now. <laughs> Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll Flee, for, flee from you. Let me, let me read some scripture here. And I didn't put it in there, so just leave that scripture up there. I'm trying to get that verse into their spirit this morning. But let me read you some context scripture leading up to this. In James chapter 4, starting in verse 1, it says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Sound like the world we live in right now? Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. In a culture where the word submit has been used to control in so many facets, even in the church. Let me give you one real quick. And I know I've said it over many times, but I cannot stand when I want to call them religious people like to throw this scripture out, especially uh, in marriages. The Bible says wives submit to your husbands, but you did not read the context of the scripture that that was written in. And obviously you did not find out what your responsibility is in order to receive the submission, the godly submission that the word says to bring. Yet people go, oh, the, the Bible says this and the Bible says that. And, 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 and unfortunately, we've turned the word submit into a controlling word rather than a loving word. Because I don't know if you understand, but the word submit actually creates protection and provision. We've even taken the word submission and turned it into a perversion. We've taken a word that God says, this is how we'll operate. And now we have turned it into something that controls and perverts. No wonder the church has a problem with it today because it's the very strongholds that we're trying to break off of our own lives and come under the kingdom of God. So we're trying to break out of the control of the enemy. We're trying to break out of the perversion of the world and we're walking into the church right smack dab back into it. Going, hold on, wait a minute. This is not what I signed up for. This is something supposed to be so different. So I need, before we go any further, we need to define what the word submit really is. So that we have an understanding why or how this thing works. So let me give it to you. The word submit is defined as this. To yield oneself, to get out of the way, to surrender, 
to give another control. There's another version that it says to duck. I've said this for years. Submission is when you get out of the way and let God become the way. Submission, see, see that, that wives submit to your husband's thing would be really good if everybody knew how to handle their roles in a marriage these days. Uh, I, look, like I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, and y'all be careful with the ooze over there. Y'all ain't married. <laughs> Only one that can do over there is Pastor Dylan. Amen. He <laughs> oh. <laughs> because let's be honest, marriage is not a popular subject anymore. Shacking up and quitting is. I said it. You don't have to be mad at me. Look at look outside. You'll see it. Kirk and I were sitting there spending some time yesterday together. We were talking about where, where the younger generation is, why it's so tough to receive wisdom because they feel like they're being attacked 90% of the time rather than receiving the wisdom of the pillars. They feel like they failed rather than succeeded. And, and, and the truth be told is, is that we kind of get over some things, but sometimes they don't. And, 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 and we were talking about the mindset of where everybody is today. And it, it was hit me when I was reading this and I was writing this back out was, was that... No one is in their real roles these days. They're kind of just trying to do everybody's stuff. I could really get real deep real here, and I don't want to do that to you. But no wonder there's confusion. Because people are assuming roles that were never meant for them to ever assume. Because they were not founded or created that way. They've been adapted to think another way. Can I just say this? For, God, I don't want to get into this this morning, but I'm going to do it anyway. I was, on, I was watching something yesterday. Uh <laughs> So there's this, all this, this correctness of how we have to uh, do things now, and we got to say certain things. we got to go by a pronoun, and we can't say this. We can't say he or she anymore. we got to change vocabulary, and, and we got to... Ah, I'm trying to be careful here. I'm trying to be careful here. And so according to the BBC in, in Europe, uh, they, they've now come out with a list of 100 pronouns that we need to know and recognize because everybody's different. And I watched a guy sit on the show and say, can I just say this to you? So if I wanted to define myself as a non-gender penguin, I could do that? And the guy looked at him in the face and went, yep. No wonder there's confusion. No wonder we have misconstrued what submission is really all about. No wonder we are stuck in a massive struggle right now. We're now what they're doing. Oh, because I heard this one on the news just yesterday. If I... Don't preach equality from the pulpit. In other words, now they want me to get rid of the word sin. I'm trying to help y'all. Or I'm going to lose my 501c3. Let me help y'all with something. Take my 501c3. Take my nonprofit status. That word is what's going to get me into heaven. Not culture. I'm going to submit to God. Not to laws. Of people who want me to change what the scripture says. But let me say this. That does not mean that we do not love everyone. For God so loved who? Not his select few. Not his 144,000 frozen chosen. His, his people. Everyone. God so loved the world that he gave. Not, not with any prerequisites, but that he gave so that anyone that would come to him would be saved and saved for eternity. So I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm caught up in this redefining stuff. But the word submit means to yield oneself to, to get out of the way, to surrender, to give another control, to duck. And this morning I want to preach to you a message I've simply entitled, Duck, Duck, Goose. <laughs> Pastor, why that? Well, let me explain to you. Because... Our lives are a lot alike, a lot like the game Duck Duck Goose. First Peter verse five eight says this: It says, "Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring liar, lying, seeking whom he may devour." You've ever played Duck Duck Goose? How many of y'all never played Duck Duck Goose? You've never played Duck Duck Goose? Oh Lord, let us pray. It's a great game. You sit in a circle. It's not a video game. You sit in a circle. There's no electronics. There's just you and a bunch of people in a room. Everybody's a duck. There's one person that's going around going duck, duck, duck. Now, you know how the game works. 
The only one that's a goose is the one you think you can beat. You don't pick the fast kid. No, 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 no. You pick the kid that's slow. You pick the kid that's vulnerable. You pick them off. You're like, ha, 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 ha. I know you can't catch me, Jack. You yell goose. You got to make it all the way back around the circle to their spot before they tag you. The enemy does the same thing. He goes into your life. He sees you as a people. And he goes, duck, 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 goose. And the moment he tags you, now you're in a chase for your own life. The enemy is not looking for those that are strong in the Lord. He's looking for those that are weak. Those that do not have understanding. Those who claim the promises without understanding the process. Those who claim Christ but do not understand the saving power that he brings into one's life. Those who claim God but do not live for God. Those are the ones he calls goose. And unfortunately, for years now, I've watched the enemy pick off believers because we just go to church and call ourselves ducks when really we're just nothing more than goose. This morning, I want to deal with this James chapter 4, verse 7, because I feel like the, the key to us growing in the things of God falls under the word submission. It falls under the word to submit to God. Don't submit to your own wisdom. Don't submit to your own plans. Don't submit to your own ways. Don't submit to your own ways of doing things. Can I just say this? Stop submitting to sinful lifestyle and then hoping that God will excuse you when it's all over. I know that's not popular conversation because nobody wants me to talk about sin in the church anymore. But can I just say this to you? We are playing God like a fool. Because we are living our lives however we choose to live them in hopes, in prayer, that we might just make it in. And here's the truth of it. We don't even care until mortality falls on the table. Then we get it right. We jokingly talk about this as pastors in the church all the time. You want to see the next outpouring? You want to see the next full mass salvations in the state, in the country? You want to know what's going to have to happen? Another 9-11. Oh, you want me to prove it to you? More people got saved after 9-11 than the Azusa Street Revival. So you don't even know what I'm talking about right now. A crisis created more salvation for the kingdom than every revival in America since its inception. And the next time something happens, we all go running back to God. Here's the problem. The reason we have to keep running back to him is because we have not submitted to him. We have not made the Godhead, we've made him the buddy, the right arm, the friend, the, 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 we've postured ourselves in equality with God. You are not equal to God, he is above you. Submit yourself to him, get out of the way and let him become the way and watch what he does in your life. You will always be a goose until you learn how to submit. Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Have you checked yourself yet to find out if you're the may? Are you the may yet? Or does he walk past you because he knows he can't beat you? He knows he can't win with you because he'll lose his kingdom if he touches you. Let's go to verse 8 because that's where I want to break it down. Because this morning I want to give you five keys to submission. You ready? Yeah. Verse 8. We're going to break this thing down one piece at a time. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. It says resist, resist the devil. And he'll flee. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. In order to do that, this is how you're going to do it. First, you've got to draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Okay, so, so what do you mean by that? Build your relationship with God. Spend time with him. Read his word. Pray to him. Meditate on him. Don't visit him on Sundays. Uh, I'm just going to say this. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. Uh, because most pastors will preach, you need to be in church, you need to be in church, you need to be in church. If the church closes tomorrow, you're in trouble. So my responsibility as pastors is to tell you to go to God, 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 go to God. Out of your relationship with God, you have a desire to be in church. Those who don't have a desire to be in the church, hmm, can I say it? I don't have a relationship with God. Because when we have a relationship with God, we have a desire to fellowship with other believers. We have a desire to come and strengthen ourselves and, and, and be excited about what God's doing in each other's lives and then go back into the world and do what God's called us to do and then come back here and celebrate. But when we are not submitting to the things of God, submitting to the relationship with God, then we have no desire to be in church. People go, I, I just don't want to go to church. Well, I know why you don't want to go to church. Because God is your sugar daddy, not your Abba Father. 
give me a handout, fix me, fix me, fix me, but don't have relationship with me because I will cut you off when you do something I don't like. See, see, this is the submission thing. We forgot that relationship is the requirement. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. No, he should just draw near to me. I, I've drawn near to him, and he didn't draw back. Did you draw near, or did you draw far? Ah, ah okay, watch this. Baby, come here for a second. Come here for a second. She hates when I do stuff like this. That's why I'm doing it. Okay. Do you have any wonder whether or not she's mine and I'm hers? But if every Sunday you came to church and we were always a distance apart, would you start to wonder? If we didn't look at each other, didn't smile at each other, didn't spend time with each other, didn't, hey, baby, even if she's looking at me going, football game's about to start. <laughs> That's when I start looking over there. When you see me go this way, it's because she's giving me hand motions from over here. Okay, but, but what I'm saying to you is, is that th this is the relationship, right? But if I disconnect from the relationship, are we in relationship? No. We're not in relationship anymore. In order for this to work, I have to draw near to her even if I don't think she's going to draw near to me. There are days where she has to draw near to me when I don't feel like drawing near to her. And it's not a personal thing. It's just I'm in a weird mode. I don't want to talk to him. I don't want to be touched. I just want to go away. Can I get an amen from one man in the room who's going to join my club without having to sleep on the couch tonight? Amen. Somebody like, ah, nope, I ain't doing it. Okay. But, but there, there is, there's times she's like, uh, you need to go away. Amen. Praise God. Yes, you do. Don't lie. We're going to have marriage counseling this weekend. Amen. Okay. Uh, come this weekend. You'll find out all about that. Amen. No. Uh, there are times where I have to, it's like this. Where are we doing? Where, okay. Here's the good one. Ready? Here's the good one. I'm just going to throw this one out there. What are we going to eat for lunch today? Anyone, any, any married couple want to join me on this one? This is always a loaded question because here's what they say to me. This is what she said. I don't care. Whatever you want. Those are lies from the pit of hell. Because when she says, I don't care, that's whatever you want, I don't want. Hurry up and tell me what I want. Because I'll go, let's go here. I don't want that. Obviously, you do care. She said, I don't care. Just make a decision. But my decision isn't good enough. That's not submission. Watch. I did this on purpose. I did this on purpose. You saw how quickly she about pulled away from me right now? She like, you lost your mind. Submission. I got your submission right here, buddy. Okay. But the truth be told, at the end of the day, she's wanting me to make a decision together, right? God's saying, I want to do life with you together. Draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. How many of you want to, you sit down, I believe this. How many of you want to feel the presence of God on a daily basis? Do you think that it's going to happen without you drawing near to him? And what do you do when you start moving towards him and you hit a wall? Do you just accept the wall or do you break the wall down? Oh, wait, hold on. Submission to God gives you the ability to tear down walls. So when the wall shows up and says you can't have access, you go, hold up, you forgot who I am. I'm God's kid. There's no wall that separates me from God. For the Bible says nothing can separate me from the love of my Father. Not height, nor depth, nor principalities of darkness, nothing. So you can, enemy, you can throw up whatever facade that you want to throw up. But I understand my relationship with God. So if you put up a wall, I'm just going to walk right through that bad boy. Because I have relationship. He says, draw near to me. Do you understand that the enemy wants to keep you off balance? And so he throws up distractions to keep you from getting to him so that you'll go revert back to your isolation rather than keeping on pressing in so you don't become a goose and you stay a duck. He says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Can I just say this to you as well? Do not ever think that you get in your relationship with God to a place that God owes you something. God owes you nothing. He's already paid. He can't pay anymore. So don't ever think that you become spiritual enough, religious enough, theologically sound enough to, to tell God, God, I, I, I'm here. You need to come to me. There is a prerequisite that says that in order for God to draw near to you, he has to know that you're willing to move out of your stuff and come near to him. Draw near to me. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Build your relationship with God. Submission will come out of relationship. It is easy to submit what you to what you know, not just what you heard about. 
Does that make sense? I'm not submitting to God. I know God says do that. Listen, let me help you something. If, if sin, I got so many thoughts running through my head. If sin becomes a, co- a common place that you can visit, then submission is lacking in your relationship with God. Because you are no longer submitting to the relationship, you're submitting to what you want and asking God to join in on your fun. Part B, you ready? Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Here comes the second part. Yeah, this gets real tight. Because I don't want to hear all this this morning. I just want to hear how the blessings are going to come. And I want to hear what he's going to give me. He's already given you enough. Suck it up. He's not going to give you anything else. You have eternity. What more could you ask for? Part B, here we go. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. I didn't say it. Word said it. Don't get mad. Oh, he called me a sinner. If the shoe fits, wear that sucker. We're all sinners saved by grace. How many of y'all sinned this week? So I'm the pastor. You raised your hand. Did I? Probably. Do I live in a place of repentance? Yes. Does God receive me when I repent? Yes. Did I create it? Did I, did I commit a moral sin? No. Did I cheat on my wife? No. Did I do something? Did I beat my children? No. Did I sell drugs? No. Did I, did I talk about somebody? Probably. Did I gossip? Probably. Did I give somebody an ugly face? Probably. Did I love everybody? Probably not. Pastor, those aren't sins. Those are just mistakes. No, baby, that's sin. Read your word. It says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. If you ever think that you get to a place in your walk with God that you are no longer a sinner who needs to be saved by grace, please let me know and write a book so I can know how to live the rest of my life. Because I am a living epistle being judged by men daily. Why do you think I'm being judged? Because I have an opportunity to screw up just like the next one. And every day I have to what? Crucify my flesh and take up my cross. Every when? Oh, no, just the day I got saved. I picked up my cross, been carrying it ever since. No, Jack, there were days I wanted to put that bad boy down. There were days I lived in the world that the cross was nowhere in sight. There was no God in sight. There was just Brian and what he wanted. It says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. How many sinners do I have in the room? Well, maybe we'll be honest in the church. Amen. In other words, watch your actions. Watch what you're doing. If you're doing evil, stop it. Those are the greatest two counseling words you can ever tell somebody. Pastor, stop it. Just stop it. But pastor, I needed some kind of great theological wisdom. Stop it. I just gave it to you scripture. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Stop it. That's translated in another version. Stop it. Why? Because we can just go, I don't understand. I don't understand why I'm depressed. I don't understand why I can't break this struggle. I don't understand. Stop it. Just stop it. Why can't we just understand that? We were sinners who were saved by a Savior. Why would we be dumb enough to go back to the same stupid sin that was killing us? Unless we never really got saved. We just got an emotional goosebump, cried some tears, went to an altar and said, God, fix me in my moment. Don't fix me for the rest of my life. God, visit me now. Don't visit me tomorrow. I I, I think there's been an issue in the church for a long time where we've called it salvation when it was really just an emotional checkup. Because they come to the altar and they weep and cry and boo-hoo and tear up and flood the carpet and then they go right back out to the same old mess that they were doing before they walked in the door and they go, God, where have you gone? And God says, I didn't go anywhere. You left me at the altar. You didn't take me home. You went back to the wiles of the enemy. You didn't take me that conquers the enemy home with you. You didn't submit, you didn't submit under my plan and my purpose. And then you wonder why you're existing in ah. Duck or goose. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. It goes on that same verse. It says, purify your hearts, you double-minded. God, why does that have to be so tight this morning? Because I'm trying to show you the very factors that are keeping you from walking into the fullness of everything that God has for you. Resist the devil. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands. Stop sinning. Just stop it. Purify your hearts, you double-minded, in verse 8 as well. Purify your hearts. Purify your hearts. Pastor, you want to wash my heart? Purify it? What does that mean? What do you mean? That means watch what you think. 
Because the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Watch what your heart dwells upon because out of the heart flow the issues of life. Everything comes from the source right here. The Bible says God wants to dwell in the hearts of men. Everything happens from this face, not the physical heart, but the spiritual heart, the, the soul of a person. And so he says, purify, purify your hearts. In other words, keep this sucker in check. Put whatever purification system you need to put on it so the garbage stops getting into it. If you've got people in your life that's putting junk in, get them out. But pastor, I don't want to quit on people. You're not. You're saving your soul. I, 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 I got to check what I watch. I got to check what I listen to. I got to. I took my, my son's birthday was Friday, and we went to see Gemini Man. Really cool flick. Um, but we went to see it, and prior to that movie, there were three horror flick trailers. And before you get off on your diatribe about horror flicks aren't bad, and, and it's okay, and, and it's an, okay, I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. I'm glad you came to church this morning. God, God, God has not, has not given you the spirit of so what in us desires to be scared? Do you want to walk to the back of the platform now? Because that just leaves it in your interpretation of what you choose to live under. God has not given you the spirit of fear. Purify your hearts. How many of y'all have a hard time walking down a dark hallway? Some of y'all aren't going to admit to it. I still, I'm 42 and I still have a problem with it at times. I'm like, we'll move a little quicker. That's good. Thank you. <laughs> How many of y'all lay in bed at night? You hear those little sounds in your house. You, you, you start questioning some stuff, man. You're like, do I need to reach over and grab the gun? Who's up in the house? What was that noise? What was it? One night my kids had set up a toy precariously in their toy room. And like at 3 o'clock in the morning, that sucker hit the... <laughs> it came straight up out of my bed. <laughs> Submit to God. And you understand this, the angels of the Lord encamp round about you. So now when I hear noises, I'm like, eh, whatever. Now if it's a door, that's a different story. Somebody's going to go down. Amen. Okay. It says purify your hearts. Watch what you think. James describes those who don't have a pure heart. They're double-minded. A double-minded, the Bible says, is unstable in all of their ways. They have no firm foundations. This is what labels you as a goose because now you have a weakness. Now you're weak. And the enemy goes, gotcha. Gotcha. The double-mindedness in a believer is the key aspect to the enemy's attack in your life. Because if your mind can doubt God in one moment and then believe God in the next, you are now double-minded. And the enemy goes, I know who I'm coming for. Because the moment I tag them, they're going to question their ability to beat me. And it says there, that a double-minded man is unstable. If we believe in God and we submit to God, then there is nothing that we don't believe God can do with us and through us. So here's what happens. The enemy comes in the room. <laughs> he's a dummy. I don't even know why he showed up because he's not getting this guy. Why? Because when he gets around me and he gets in my vicinity, all he can hear my mind stayed upon is the Lord. Those whose mind is stayed upon the Lord shall be in perfect peace. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the seas of scornful. But on the law of the Lord doth he meditate both wind, day and night. For he shall be a tree planted by the rivers of living water. See, when my mind begins to go away from the things that God has placed on the inside of me, then I become double-minded and the enemy goes, got him. Do you understand that's all the enemy needs? All the enemy needs from you is one doubt, just one. And if he can get just one, he can erode the faith on the inside of you and shut you down. Amen. Even the cell phones agree with me this morning. Amen. <laughs> do you understand where I'm going with this? How many of you have ever prayed hoping God would do something? I'm about to break your theology so bad. Doesn't say pray and hope. It says pray and hoping leaves an option for failure. Belief says God can do all things. <laughs> so when I pray, I believe. If I'm praying in hopes, I'm double-minded. That means I have a space in my mind that says there's doubt. 
as opposed to saying, God, I know that you can do all things. Somebody says, Pastor, you use God as a crutch. You're right, I do. He is my crutch because without him, I have a really nasty limp. Because I've been beat up, damaged, punched up, run up, run down, all that good stuff. And, but with him, I, I walk good. He's my strength. I might be weak, but in my weakness, he's made strong. This is how I live my life. But it says, it says, don't become double-minded. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Purify your hearts. If you allow things in that you know God wouldn't allow in, you're double-minded. Hello. But, but oh, I got to be careful. But, but it's just a few curse words. Pastor, I need you to pray for me. Why? I got a cussing problem. What you putting in? Oh, no, I mean, nothing really. I mean, I, you know, I mean, people cuss and no, no, what you put, what are you putting in? What are you depositing? What are you placing in your own bank account and then withdrawing out later? Right. <sighs> see, see, what you put in is what changes you. Right. And, and, and people don't like when I teach stuff like this because it's like, that's old school church. You know, we're, we're, we're strong enough. Oh, dear God. The enemy is fighting for your what? Your life. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He cannot kill. I'm going to say this to you. I'm going to say this to you. He has no authority to kill what he did not create. But if he steals your dreams, your visions, and your destiny, he can kill you. Does that make sense? Because that's when you'll quit on yourself. Okay. If the enemy has the ability to do all those things, how do you think he's going to do it? He's going to find the weakest place in your existence and exploit it. Go after it. Turn you upside down in it till you can't think straight. Till you have not even a hope, much less faith. Till you start to implode and then you walk out on God. And the moment he walk, you walk out on God, he goes to heaven and says, that one's mine. I won that one. Take Job, for instance, in the Bible. Satan petitions God for Job and he says, you're going to protect everybody. And God says, have you considered my, my servant Job? He says, you can do anything you want, but you cannot kill him. You cannot take a life that you did not give him. So he says, but you can go after everything else. And what did Job continue to do? Even through the problems, the circumstances, situations, his submission to God, even with his wife told him, turn from God, curse him, and die. He said, nope, yet will I continue to praise my God. That's submission. That's cleansing your hands. That's purifying your heart so that there is no other thought process. Do you think God just came into your life to give you a better feeling? He actually came to arrest your mind. Not just arrest your heart, but arrest the place that you think of the worst. Purify your hearts. You double mind. It goes on in verse 9. It says, lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. That is not fun scripture, Pastor. I did not. Why well, wouldn't hear? We're just going to laugh and everything's going to go away. No. He says mourn over your sin. In other words, have a funeral service for it and don't resurrect it. Hmm. Okay. Uh, when you have bad food in the refrigerator, you just leave it there in hopes that one day it might become good again. You know, we haven't eaten that in four weeks, but it's okay. You know, it, it'll be good later on. A little bit of mold, that's just some penicillin anyway. It'll be fine. You know, we'll be good to go. No, 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 no. Just work with me for a sec. Because you know when you open that dish, right? It's got an ungodly smell that did not smell that way when you made the food. But now all of a sudden it has turned on you, and yet we still, okay, you see where I'm going here, right? But here's the problem with us is, is that we don't mourn sin, we pocket sin. We don't mourn sin. We don't, we don't grieve over the sin and let it die. We resuscitate it. We have what we call sin defibrillators. Clear. Hey, there you are. I've been missing you. Then God has to come back in again. You know, it's like this. Uh, uh, people come to the altar over and over and over and over and over. And I've asked this over the years. Like somebody got saved one Sunday. And then the next Sunday they came back to the altar again. And they came back to the altar again. They came back to the altar again. They came back to the altar again. I'm like, all right, what's going on? Why do you keep coming back? Well, I just don't feel like I'm saved yet. So this would beg the question, do you keep jumping back into the water that you were drowning in before and you come back to church in, in hopes that God will save you yet again? So in other words, you're so addicted to drowning 
that you would know what saving looks like. What we call that in jail terms is institutionalized. Those that get free and then commit crimes to put themselves back in lockup because they don't know how to live outside of the structure of lockup. God says, I've come to set you free, yet we have a decision in us that either chooses the lockup or the freedom that he brings. And so what we have a tendency to do is to come out of sin, come out of the pains of life, come underneath the submission of God. And then when it doesn't give us everything that our flesh desires, we go back and pursue the desires of the flesh and yet call ourselves godly. And God says, no, I didn't come to partially save you. I came to completely save you. Give me your whole life. Stop giving me a piece of your life, hoping that that is enough. Let me help you with something. If you only give you God a piece of you and you do not give, you, give him all of you, you will not see all of you in heaven. Pastor, did you really just say that? Yes, I did. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I don't know you. Because you can't ask God to save your problems and not save your soul. You cannot ask God, God, save a piece of me because it's defective. But let the rest of me live however I choose to live. No, God says, I came to take you out of that stuff. Will you please stop revisiting the things that were meant to kill, steal, and destroy your plans, your destiny, and your future? Can you please stop picking up the old habits, the things that you know were killing you but yet I saved you from? Can you please stop saying it's okay, maybe just one more time, maybe just this one instance? Listen to me. If God can't come in with you, he's probably not coming out with you. Go to a movie next time. Ask yourself while you're sitting in the movie, is God sitting next to you or did you check him at the door? Or did you need him to hold you because what you're watching you need protection from? Come on, just work with me for a second. See, people don't like when I do this because, Pastor, don't, don't say all that stuff. Why? You want me to tell you, hey, just, you know, hope you make it. Be a good little Christian. Hope, hope, hope you know, just, you know, come to church whenever you feel like it. Lift your hands if you choose to. Don't pray. I don't care. Don't read your word. It's okay. I'll give you word every week. No. Because God forbid something were to change, something were to happen. I've got to ensure that you finished the race, that you didn't just get on the race while I was here. That when it's all over, when it's said and done, it doesn't matter what I did. It matters what you do. It matters how you live. And I need to make sure as pastor in this house that you finish the race, that you don't just bail out of the race because I'm not here to coach you and squeal for you and cheer you on. The Bible says you're surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses. In other words, heaven is watching, cheering you on. You don't need me to cheerlead you. I'm just here to... This is the way walk in it. Okay, mourn over your sin. What's your attitude towards your sin life? Do you mourn? Do you weep over it? Because God does. God weeps over your sins. God mourns over your sins because he's trying to understand what else he has to do. Submission to God is seeing the sin in our lives in the same manner that God does. How does God view sin? Can you... Help me for a second. How, how does he view sin? Does he, does he rejoice over it? Is he excited when you do it? I'm so grateful that he forgives us. But did you know the Bible says, just so you know, because this is where it gets real in the church, the Bible says if you keep rejecting God, he'll remove his hand of anointing off of you. In other words, the ability to Break burdens and destroy yokes will now lift off of you. And the Bible says you'll return back to a reprobate mind. In other words, you'll go back to what you were before salvation. Hello. Could you imagine if God put a number on it? God says you got five. Can I be honest with you? I'd be a reprobate. I think most of us would be. But I think in all honesty, because we refuse to submit to God, we take advantage of who God is in our lives. We don't, I'm going to say this, and this is said in love, and, I, and I'm saying this because I had to learn this the hard way. We do not respect God, we demand God. We do not respect who he is in our lives. We do not respect what he's done for us. We demand that he does more. Therefore, when we are stuck in a space of choosing between sin and, and living his way, being a duck or being a goose, we have a tendency 
to choose being a duck with goose tendencies. Double-minded. You're either a duck or you're a goose. You're not both. Choose you this day whom you'll serve. Stop serving two masters. Pick one. It'll be a lot easier. Go on to verse 10. Anything out of this? Hope you are. Good. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. Verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. In other words, you can't submit and talk trash at the same time. Humility doesn't curse God. Well, God, you didn't do this, and God, you didn't do that, and God, didn't, you didn't do this, and I'm not doing this, and blah, 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 blah. Come on, anybody ever done that? God, I don't understand. You said you'd be there for him, but you're not here. God goes, God, you're blind. My word says I'm omnipresent. I'm always in your midst. The only reason you didn't see me is because you got blinded by your own ego and pride. You got blinded by your wants rather than my wants because if you were submitted to me, you'd see me in every second of every moment. How many of y'all enjoying the cooler breeze? When it, when it was hot, you were like, it's hotter than the devil outside. But when that cool breeze, you're like, thank you, Lord. What if I told you that even in through the hottest moments, you could experience the coolest of breezes? So every lily and every valley and every blade of grass and every sunshine and every rainstorm and every I'm not talking about the physical stuff outside, I'm talking about your life. Through the good, the bad, the ups, the downs. Submission to God will create a greater praise on the inside of you that you didn't even know existed. You'll stop complaining about what you don't have and you'll celebrate and worship God for the things that he's given you, understanding that it is through your worship in those moments that God finds room to bring more to your life. You can't talk trash at the same time while submitting to God. You can't come into this game saying what you won't, what won't get you. My wife and I joke about, I'll never, we joke about this, talking about trying to get a dog one day and that's just a talk, right? Amen. We're not, we're not getting a dog, so don't come talk to me about it. We got four kids. That's enough dogs for me. Amen. <laughs> but I don't, I'm not a cat person. If you're a cat person, I love you, but I'm just not. I don't like cats. I don't. I jokingly say this joke, cats guard the gates of hell. <laughs> I'm not trying to offend you. That's how I feel. You might not like dogs. That's probably why you have cats. Amen. Okay. Or you have cats and dogs. Lindsay and Nick. Amen. And, uh, and I said, I'm never getting a cat. And Tiff goes, don't say never. My daughter goes, I'm going to have a cat one day. I said, yep, when you're out the house. I'm still going to get one, and dad's not coming over. Amen. You come to my house, leave your cat at home. Okay. But we do these things. We come in. I, this would never. I would never. I, will, I won't ever. I won't ever. I won't ever. Anybody said that? I would never. I would never. How many times have you done it? Because whatever you say you won't do is the very thing you'll find yourself in the midst of doing. Don't walk in telling God what you won't do. Walk in telling God what you will do. Yet through everything, God, I will praise you. I will lift up my voice in the midst of the valleys. I will cry out to you in my wilderness time. I will shout in celebration in the mountain times. But God, I will not forget your goodness no matter what I walk through. Through the valley of shadow of darkness, God, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You're the God of the mountaintop and of the valley. Father, I thank you that it might not look the way I want it to look, but God, I know you're in control. I submit my life to you, and I trust that everything you allow for me is because you have greater things for me. Submission to God is what broke the fear of death off my life. Submission to God is what got me through my heart circumstances. Submission to God is what got me through the loneliest seasons of my life, thinking that I would never have a spouse, much less have four beautiful children who love God. I thought I was the most least likely candidate to have offspring that would want to serve God because I was running as far as I could from God. 
There were times in my life I thought God quit on me. I thought he gave up on me. I thought he forfeited on me because I was just a lost circumstance. But yet in through it all, he was always there. And all he was saying is, Brian, submit to me. He says, I stand at the heart of your door knocking, asking if I can come in. He's not asking so he can come sit on the couch and chill with you. He's asking so he can finally take his place as the father of the house. He's saying, I'm knocking on a door that I built. And I'm asking, can I take residence back in my house? It's not yours, it's mine. I desire to dwell with you. But let me take my place. Here's a good one. Can you give up the master bedroom yet? I remember when I was young and I, I, I moved to my first apartment, I had a roommate. And we had to barter and negotiate who was going to get the master bedroom. And I told him, I said, I told my, my first roommate, I said, you don't get to pick. He said, why not? I said, because it's my name on the lease. My life's at stake on this one, not yours. God's name is on the lease agreement for your heart. Stop trying to oversign his name. Let him have control. Submit to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee. There is, as I wrote this, you, you can't come into this game saying what you won't get. You can't come into this thing being all loud about how spiritual and how holy you are. Silence is greater confidence. I remember back in the day, okay, so, so I grew up, we grew up rough, and, and there was stuff in our lives, and, and I made a lot of mistakes, and so I wasn't proud of who I was, and, and so I would always find myself in conversations with people and talking to people, and, and when they would tell me a story, I had to tell a story of equal value because I needed value in the conversation. Can anybody amen me right now? Okay, and so I would find myself, so let's say Pastor Robert went to Disney World, he's going to tell me his Disney World story. Well, I got... 15 Disney World stories. I got to tell all my Disney World stories so you and I have something to agree upon rather than just be happy about his story. I've learned in the room I don't need to be the one to talk. It's always more fun to listen. I get my time on Sunday mornings. I want to hear your stories. There's a greater confidence that comes in silence because I know who I am. You don't have to tell me. I know I love it when people come, Pastor, you know, I, you're, you're God's, God loves you. I'm glad you agree what I already knew. Because I know who my God is. And I know who I am in God. Because I live a life as a duck, not a goose. You must humble yourself so that he can be seen above you. Last piece. David says, I... I always mess this word up. I lay prostrate before the Lord. I asked God, I said, God, why is it that the most amazing times with you in my life have always been on the floor? He said, because it's the closest thing you can come to death. There is nothing above the earth than me, above you. So when you lay before the Lord, why did David spend his life like that? Because he needed God to be above him. Not just to be with him, but there were moments where he had to get down on his bottom end and lay out before God and cry out to him in the midst of his struggle so that God could take his position, so he could duck and submit to the things of God so that God could speak to him and give him the plan and the, the order of what he wanted to do in his life. David made many mistakes. But the Bible says that David was a man after God's heart. Why? Because David understood that submission was the key to a long life in Christ. If you will submit to God, don't visit God, don't play the church game, submit to God. Submit to God. Everything you do, say, and touch, submit to God. I'm not saying you got to go to God in your closet before you leave the house and go, God, what clothes do you want me to wear? God doesn't care that much about your clothing. But if you go to God and say, God, I submit my life to you. I submit my parenting to you. I submit my children to you. I submit my wife to you. I submit my finances to you. I submit my house to you. I submit my cars to you. I submit everything that I have to 
you and I trust you with all of it. Watch this. The enemy comes by your house. It is the same thing as the, as the blood of the lamb being wiped over the doorpost of your home. The enemy comes by the neighborhood and goes, can't stop at that house. They're already covered. They've already submitted. I can't get into that home. They are fortified. They are blocked up. There is no way I can get in. I have to go to find somebody else who will allow me in the door. But they have fortified everything that they are in God. He can't tap on your home. He has to keep going. I have to submit my children to the Lord. I can't change them. But I can point them to the one that changed me. And teach them that a submissive life to the things of God will be everything that they need for the rest of their lives. Trust God. We got a call on Tuesday that our, their school had been locked down because it was a suicidal person in the vicinity of Boyette and Little Oak. And as a parent, of course, the questions start flooding. Then we're seeing reports there's a helicopter flying over the school and there's, there's 70 cops. I mean, of course, everything's expounded upon. SWAT team was there. Uh, it's crazy stuff. And so you immediately go to the worst scenario. Why? Because that's what media has shown us. Another woman posted on the Facebook post, said, I just talked to my daughter. She texted me, I love you, mom, just in case. My wife called me. She said, babe, what, what do we need? I said, babe, just relax. Just relax. Then we started reading the reports, and I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to drive by just, just to see. But I got in the car, and something hit me like a freight train. I was pulling out of the parking lot, getting onto the interstate, and something punched me right in the throat. He said, call your wife and pray. And I didn't pray, oh, God. Oh, God, be there with my babies. Oh, God. I just said, Let's, Father, we trust you. We rest in the fact that we know that they are covered by you. No weapon formed against them shall prosper. Father, protect them, cover them, sustain them with your peace. I, mean, I prayed for the police officers. I prayed for the school officials. I prayed for everybody. Father, I just thank you right now. And I just went after it. And I said, okay, we're done. We're, we're trusting God now. Doesn't mean, look, the enemy came in. And then I hit him in the throat with submission. He had to go away. I hung around a little while until they cleared up everything, got my kids, took them home. Gave them a day off just for the fun of it. Amen. But the truth be told is that I, it was in God's hands. Talked to my daughter that night. I said, are you okay? She started crying. I said, what's wrong? She said, I, so many thoughts ran through my head. I was just afraid. I said, I get that. So we prayed right there. I said, well, let's break it. Let's pray right now. Prayed over. Next morning, she was fine. Why? Because I trust God more than I trust the world. I submit to him. The enemy can't get what's not his. He doesn't have permission in my home. He has a, do a locked door. And if he can come and see it, he won't get through it because we've submitted to the things of God. Everybody stand to your feet.